Hello, everyone. Welcome. My name is Josiah McGee. I'm the Associate Director of Alumni Education here at Passages. We're very excited today that we can be joined by Dr. Phaedra Shapiro. Dr. Shapiro is one of our regular guests uh, on our tours in Israel. And today is day four of our virtual tour of Israel. So ordinarily on this day that we would have her speaking, we've decided to go ahead and bring her in so that she can help us talk a little bit about Jewish-Christian relations and some of the topics that she would ordinarily be speaking about during our tours to Israel. We're very grateful that she is available to have the time to do that with us today. Now, we want to go ahead and uh, introduce her in just a moment, but we also want to give the audience a couple of reminders about this. Uh, the way that we kind of do these webinars, first things first, just a reminder to the audience that you can submit questions for Dr. Shapiro in the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen. And then second, if you would like to, in a moment or a few minutes, we're going to go ahead and post a link to a live chat. If you're a Passages alumni in the Passages Leaders Network, where you can submit those questions as well. Now, I want to go ahead and introduce Dr. Shapiro today. Dr. Shapiro is the founding director of the Israel Center for Jewish-Christian Relations and is a research fellow at the Center for the Study of Religions at Tel High College. She began her career as a university professor in Canada in a department of religion and culture where she worked for many years. Her first book won a national Jewish recent book is Christian Zionism, Navigating the Jewish Christian Border. And she just completed a co-edited manuscript entitled Catholic Approaches to the Land and State of Israel. Phaedra also writes regular academic articles and popular op-eds on Jewish Christian relations and is passionate about her mission of creating greater understanding between Jews and Christians. So thank you very much, Dr. Shapiro, for joining us today. Josiah, is my video on? It is. Welcome. Oh, we can see and hear you very well. I'm delighted. Hi. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. It's very exciting to be part of a tour of Israel, um, actually being in Israel. So I'm here in Tiberias this evening. I can see the Sea of Galilee just out my window. So. Fantastic. How's the, how's the weather there? Is it getting hot there yet? So hot. Yes, it was uh, about 34 Celsius, which must be like a billion in Fahrenheit. It was really hot today. That's pretty hot. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and jump into this. We want to ask you a few questions kind of about your background, and then we'll talk a little bit more about some of the work that you do in the Galilee region. But for starters, I would like it if you could maybe tell our audience what led you to make Aliyah, something that they may or may not know about you is that you're originally actually from Canada, not Israel. So can you tell us a little bit about how you wound up in Tiberias? Right. Uh, well, thank you for asking this, Josiah, because it's definitely one of my favorite topics. You know, in some ways, I think I would say that I was surprised by Aliyah. I mean, uh, it had always been a dream. Uh, my first trip to Israel, I was 13. And, you know, I always said, oh gosh, it'd be so great. Maybe I would get to live here one day. But, uh, you know, you grow up, you get more practical, you get more settled in your life, and you start to think that that was just some, you know, childish dream that you had once. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was living a very normal life. I, uh, you know, I had a growing family, a nice career, uh, we had a home, I had tenure, I had a book award, you know, things were looking pretty good. Everything was kind of going according to plan. Um, things were, were very nice in Canada. Uh, but I was coming up to a sabbatical year. This is one of the great things about being a university professor. Uh, and I needed to, uh, to propose my new research topic. 
So I was going to engage this research project on Christian Zionism. And how was I going to spend this sabbatical year? Well, I thought this is a great opportunity. We would take one year, one year, and bring the family to Israel. Uh, and it would be a chance for the kids to get to know my husband's family in Israel. And it would just be this, this great experience. I would get to do research. The kids would have, would have an interesting time. And, and we would just do that. And then we would come back and go back to, you know, our regular lives, the plan, as it were. Uh, but I was uh, surprised. I was uh, interviewing a lot of Christians at this time uh, about their support for Israel and kind of where did it come from. And I would sit with people for an hour and ask a whole bunch of, you know, really deep questions. And, and I was met with a few interesting responses. A number of people said to me after my interview of them, they said, hey, you know, that was really nice. Thank you. Uh, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? I'm like, sure, that seems, that seems fair. Um, and a number of people would ask me very challenging questions. They would say things like, you know, um, I know that you're a person of faith. I know that you're a person who takes their, their Jewishness very seriously. Um, what do you think is God's plan for the Jewish people? And I I had no answer. I was completely, you know, flabbergasted by the question. Um, like, I don't know. Uh, and they would say things to me like, you know, do you really think that God wants you, um, you know, a, a faithful Jew, that what God really wants for your life is you living in Canada? And I was, you know, I was just so challenged by those questions. I'd never thought about those things before, oddly enough. Uh, and so I think that the process of um, thinking in, in fresh ways, being stimulated by Christians asking me about my own faith in Israel, um, together with the experience of, of living here for a year and seeing my children flourish, uh, seeing how good it was for us as, as individuals, as a family. By the end of that sabbatical year, I sat my husband down and I said, um, hey, guess what? Now, like, it, it's time we need to do this. Uh, and so here we are. Uh, it's been 12 years. Don't regret for a moment. It's amazing. So I'm curious, you mentioned actually that some conversations with Christians actually were a part of the process of learning and, and beginning to discover the importance of Israel and, and the Jewish existence there living in Israel as a Jewish person. Can you maybe help us understand that a little bit as well? Why did you choose to study and make a career of Jewish-Christian relations? Why are those conversations so important to you? Um, you know, it's funny, it's going to sound like a similar kind of answer that it almost happened by accident. I mean, I guess the question is, do you believe in accidents? But um, I was doing a, a PhD in religious studies. I had a major in the anthropology of religion and a minor in Bible. And those two things don't usually go together, but fine. I thought that that was sort of my best way of covering my um, interest in contemporary Judaism. So I do contemporary anthropology of Jewish communities and, and Bible. And I went to meet with um, the professor who was in charge of my minor in Bible. And she outlined what she expected me to study. And I'm like, what is this? Like, what is all this New Testament stuff? And I don't know why I was so shocked because she's actually not only a committed uh, Jew herself, um, but is also one of the, you know, great New Testament scholars. She's currently the president of the Society of Biblical Literature. Uh, so I don't know why I was so surprised, 
But I was like, what do you mean you want me to study New Testament? She said, really, trust me, I think you're going to love this. Uh, and lo and behold, um, I learned so much about Judaism uh, through studying in an academic way the New Testament. Uh, and I found that, you know, extremely, extremely challenging. So maybe I should have seen the signs then. Um, but I was really drawn initially into Jewish-Christian relations from a very academic perspective. Um, so this became, you know, in, in different uh, specific topics, uh, research for me until we made Aliyah. And once we made Aliyah, it became very clear to me that everything I thought I knew about Jewish-Christian relations um, doesn't really hold here in Israel. Um, and that there was a desperate need. I mean, in the West, it's one thing, you know, Jewish-Christian relations is sort of taken for granted. It's obviously, um, you know, a desirable thing to do. It's not especially, it's not so, so challenging. In Israel, it was almost unheard of to be focusing on Jewish-Christian relations. So it was something very pioneering um, and something that was desperately needed because nobody even understood why we should even be having these conversations between Jews and Christians. So I think that Aliyah turned me into an activist and really sort of built my career in Jewish-Christian relations because I saw the need for it here. I'd like to ask a follow-up question, if I can, Phaedra. Um, it's really interesting from a Christian perspective, one of the reasons why passages exist is to help Christian students especially understand the roots of their own faith in Judaism. And so in order to understand the Christian faith in some way, you, you almost have to understand Judaism better to understand the Christian faith. You made it sound like, though, that's almost the, the flip side is also true in some sense, that you learn more about Judaism by studying New Testament, which is really, it's, it's more so Christian faith. So can you maybe unpack a little bit what are a couple of things that you learned about Judaism by studying the New Testament and the Christian faith? So, um, first of all, I mean, if you want to understand first century Judaism, you should be reading the New Testament. That's kind of obvious. Um, and there's no source as good for understanding first century uh, Judaism. So um, mm -hmm. if, if that is part of, you know, if there is something continuous about Judaism, then there is much to learn through the New Testament about that kind of period, for sure. Um, but I think also just as a person of faith, sometimes you take things for granted. You take things for granted, you haven't really questioned them, you haven't looked at your categories, you just do things in a certain way because that's the way you do them. And it's in conversation with other people. It's when you learn different words for the, something that you already do. Um, it's, it's, it's through having to explain yourself and seeking to understand other people that also I think for, for each of us, our own faith can, um, can really be invigorated by that process. So I think that in all of those conversations with Christians, when they would say, well, why do you do that? Well, you know, what do you believe about? And so many things I just hadn't really been forced to think through. Uh, so it definitely, I mean, in so many ways has made me a, a better Jew through those, through the, that engagement with Christians. That's fascinating. One of the things that really impresses me about the work that you do is that not only do you read 
write, speak, and, and travel a lot. I mean, you, you must be one of the busiest people that we've ever met. Your Facebook page is amazing, the stories of all the different things that you're doing. But it seems like you also take a very intentional and relational approach to the work that you do. And a lot of it is about conversations and connecting with people that you haven't met yet and that sort of thing. So can you maybe explain why do you believe that part of your work is important and why do you make time for that in the midst of your really busy schedule? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, I think that it's, it's almost the opposite. It's not a question of making time for it, but that really that's the essence of the work. Um, that's, that's core to what we should be seeking to do in Jewish Christian relations. You know, the first time I heard the word relational, being relational, I was like, what, like, what does that mean? I didn't, I didn't know that word at all. I actually thought that that was like a Christian word. Maybe it is. I don't know. Like, what does it mean to be relational? Uh, and what I've come, you know, being forced, as we said earlier, sort of think through terms, um, relational, I think is is becoming aware that despite our separateness as individuals, as people of faith, um, despite our difference, uh, that we're connected. We're connected in such a way that when you are harmed, in some way I am too. I mean, differently for sure. Um, when you are benefited, when you grow, when you are healed, ultimately that has good effects for other people. So I think that once Jews and Christians can understand that this does not have to be like a duel to the death about truth, uh, once we can understand that, yeah, I mean, truth, of course, is important, but that we can still be in relationship despite our different truths, uh, once we can focus on, on growing, um, growing in a, in a deep, in an authentic way in our uh, relationships with each other, um, and that includes engaging each other's truths, then we will have done something really magnificent, all right? So I think that building Jewish-Christian relations is really not about some encounter between big theoretical entities like Judaism and Christianity. If those things even really exist, uh, it's much more about equipping, I believe, real people to engage each other Okay, and, and that's, you know, it sounds like that's all about activism, but that's, I think, also a mistake that building better relationships also requires a lot of those elements that you spoke about. It requires reading, it requires study, it requires writing, it requires teaching, that there's room for all of those things, and that those help to equip us to, to relate to each other better. But if it's not also about building better relationships between people, then it's just this kind of theoretical, abstract, intellectual enterprise. And that's, that's not enough for me. So you live in a very diverse country. I mean, Israel, both in terms of the diversity of the Jewish presence there, but it's also the presence of the Arab population, as well as various other religious and ethnic minorities in Israel. It's a very diverse place and it has a lot of different types of people, a lot of different types of relationships that you could form. So what has your work living in the, the Galilee portion of Israel taught you about Israel and the different types of people who live there? Right. Um, so this is, might sound a little bit trite, um, but it's kind of amazing how often, how we humans still need to keep learning the same basic things over and over again. Um, 
But, you know, especially the Galilee is a place of really distinct communities, uh, distinct communities of faith, of culture, of language, and we live pretty, uh, pretty apart from each other, a little bit, everyone in their own corners. But at the same time, particularly in the Galilee, uh, we managed to engage each other. We managed to even look after each other pretty well. Uh, more and more, I meet, um, I meet Arabs from around the Galilee, and we understand pretty quickly that we're neighbors. And I would say that that is a good place to start. If we can understand that we're neighbors, then uh, we can see the potential for becoming, becoming friends, but to, to recognize our essential neighborliness uh, first. You know, you mentioned uh, Facebook, my Facebook page a little bit earlier, um, and maybe some of you saw this, but uh, you know, we were all stuck in quarantine um, and we actually had um, some COVID in our family. So we were like really quarantined. We were, you know, uh, we were not able to leave, uh, to leave the house um, and, and Passover was coming and there was a great deal of stress because, um, you know, you need to uh, bring all, all sort of new special food for Passover and it's just a great deal of work and we couldn't leave leave our homes and we had, um, you know, sick kids. So it was really stressful and we had to rely on other people uh, and it was amazing to me that it was Jewish friends who did our Passover shopping for us and dropped everything off at our front door. And it was a Christian friend who brought medicine for us from the pharmacy and dropped it at our front door. And it was a Muslim friend who, um, you know, one of the great fears this Passover uh, due to COVID was there was an eggs shortage in Israel. And uh, we go through a lot of eggs on Passover. Uh, it helps, um, you know, in place of regular leavening. Uh, so you really need eggs for Passover. It was a Muslim friend who dropped 60 eggs off in front of our door. And when I tried to pay him said, oh, you can't pay me for those eggs. I said, why not? I mean, you know, eggs aren't, aren't cheap, that's 60 eggs. He said, because we're friends, Phaedra, you can't pay me for those eggs. So Jews helped us and Christians helped us and Muslims helped us because that's what you do. And that's what you do for neighbors and friends. So I just felt like that was kind of the Galilee uh, in, in a nutshell. Um, so it was very heartwarming to kind of have confirmed what I knew to be true um, and what I just hope to be able to show to other people is that this really is possible. It's, it's not just a pipe dream. That's beautiful. That's an incredible story. So one of the things that Passages also focuses on is this idea of not only introducing students to Israel and introducing them to the roots of their faith, but also developing them as future leaders. So I'm curious if you can maybe talk a little bit about what your work has taught you about leadership, especially in this space of interfaith dialogue and difficult relationship building. Right, it's uh, a great question, especially because um, I'm gonna admit that it was not until very recently that I ever thought of myself as a leader at all, right? Uh, I thought that like big people, famous people, people with titles, um, 
you know, people in the newspaper, uh, politicians, those people were leaders and I'm not any of those things. Um, and I guess that what I came to realize is that my sense of leadership was maybe a little bit off. And once I straightened that out, um, I really came to see the possibility, not just of myself as a leader, but also that everybody uh, in their own corner or wherever that is, um, you know, has and, and should be developing that leadership capabilities. So, you know, thinking about Jewish Christian relations, about interfaith engagement and what I learned about leadership, I would say, first of all, that um, I've learned that leadership is to be found in some pretty humble places. Um, in listening, first of all, uh, we cannot hope to impact people that we don't know. And the way to know people, first and foremost, is through listening, listening to them. Uh, and by listening, I don't just mean some sort of um, intellectual exercise where you're gathering data and you're kind of putting it into your brain and there you've listened. I mean listening, um, listening with empathy, listening with compassion, listening with humility, uh, listening with a profound desire to understand. Uh, and so the listening that's required in, um, in, in fruitful Jewish Christian relations, I think is also something uh, that uh, serves uh, leadership in a very important kind of way. Uh, the second thing that I would say uh, in terms of what I've learned from Jewish Christian relations uh, that I think is essential for leadership has been trust. Uh, Trust, um, you know, I, I grew up in an environment where it wasn't obvious that you would trust people who aren't like you. You know, we trust each other. We trust the, you know, the, the tribe a little bit. Uh, why would you trust people that you, um, you know, don't have everything in common with? Uh, Jewish Christian relations has really taught me to trust more people uh, and therefore also to trust myself, uh, to trust my intuition, to lean less heavily on what society expects, um, what, uh, you know, what I'm supposed to think, um, what I'm, I'm supposed to do, uh, to trust myself, to trust God more, um, to understand, I think that, that Jewish Christian relations is a mission. Uh, and as such, that also allows for leadership, okay? To, to realize that what you're doing, what you're leading in um, is, is something, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily come from you, um, but is part of something greater. Uh, and I think third, related to both of these, uh, is that Jewish Christian relations has taught me um, and has helped me in my leadership abilities, um, has, has taught me the need for courage right? Uh, the courage to be able to think freely, uh, to, to do the unexpected, to do the unacceptable, to do the odd, right? Uh, a true leader can't always be worrying about what everyone thinks, about what society expects you to do, about what everyone assumes is the right thing to do. A leader needs to set the pace. And in order to be able to do that, you need to be less afraid. Uh, and so as Jewish Christian relations has taught me and helped me to be less afraid of difference, 
um, to be less afraid of, of narratives that don't match my own. Uh, that has enabled me to also become a better leader uh, through having the courage to, to do, again, um, you know, what is the right thing, what the mission is, and not just what everybody around me is doing. So I think that like listening and trust and courage are really interrelated. They strengthen each other, right? That listening builds trust. And with trust, you can be more courageous. And so these three things, I think, uh, from Jewish Christian relations has helped me to develop my own leadership capabilities. That's fantastic. And really good advice for our audience as well. So thank you for sharing that, Phaedra. We will look forward to making sure that students get a chance to hear those words from you. That's, that's really good advice. I have one last question for you and then we'll open this up to the audience as well. I can see we already have a couple of questions from them. Uh, but before we get to those, just one last question for you. You've actually started a program called the Galilea Fellowship for people who want to spend a few months living in Israel with you, an experience that, you know, for you was tremendously impactful was actually living in Israel for a time. So can you tell us more about the Galilea Fellowship and what this opportunity provides for students like ours? Sure, absolutely. And in some ways, what I was just speaking about, listening, trust, and courage are actually um, very strong values within the Galilea Fellowship. Because when I started this program, uh, people said, you, you can't do that. <laughs> crazy, you can't do that. Uh, Galilea is not for the faint of heart, all right? Galilea is uh, for people who are willing to do something that everybody says, you can't do that. Uh, it's an amazing, eye-opening, challenging, uh, deep dive um, into the Galilee, into Jewish-Christian relations, and frankly, into, into yourself, um, into your own faith. We have not had a single case, um, now six six cohorts in, so three years of Galilee, we've not had a single case of an alumni who was not deeply impacted by their time as a Galilea fellow. Uh, so Galilea is three months of service, of study, and bridge building. It's an opportunity to serve in places that most people never get to serve uh, in Jewish schools and in Arab Christian schools. It's a chance to learn about contemporary Israel, about the Bible, about Jewish Christian relations from uh, some amazing speakers and scholars. It's a chance also to put it all into action, to make sure that this isn't just an intellectual learning experience, but it's an opportunity to become an actual bridge between peoples here, between uh, people who would never meet each other, between Jews in Tiberias, uh, Christians in Nazareth, who think that Galilea fellows are completely crazy for speaking to each other, for going and serving in each other's spaces. Uh, so you yourself become an actual bridge uh, between the peoples here. I'll be perfectly honest, I don't know of any program like it. Uh, you don't come back the same, that's for sure. You know, I was speaking earlier um, in a completely unrelated conversation uh, to a friend of mine, and I was telling her about something that I heard many, many years ago, an embarrassingly large number of years ago, that I've never forgotten, all right? It's just a phrase, might sound trite, but it really had an impact on me back then. And it was this, uh, she told me many years ago, a friend said, 
It's never too late, but it's later than you think. Mm. Uh, and I don't know, this might be the right time for you. It might be the right time for you to grab this opportunity. Not all opportunities uh, become, you know, come back and are available to you at all times. So it's never too late, but it is also later than you think. So if you think that this is uh, the right opportunity for you at this time, uh, you can look up the Galileo Fellowship on the internet. You can write uh, an email of inquiry, Galilea at jewishchristianrelations.com. And Anna Babcox, our uh, assistant director, will get back to you right away. We'll be happy to answer any questions that you have. Fantastic. And to our audience as well, I just dropped actually a link to the Galileo Fellowship website. Uh, in the chat section, so you can go ahead and check out that link if you'd like more information from their website. We do have a, a question here from Shelby. She's asking, what has been the most difficult roadblock to navigate in forging interfaith relationships and friendships? Well, I think, um, first, thank you for the question, Shelby. Um, especially in Israel, um, really the fact that everything is political um, and the fact that everything is also ethnic. So, um, you know, in, in the West, um, Jew, Jews and Christians sort of meet each other as Jews and Christians. Uh, here in Israel, Jews and Christians meet each other as um, ethnic Jews, Jewish Israelis and Arab Israelis as well. Uh, so that is a big, big issue. It means that it's, it's not obvious at all uh, that we even know how to speak to each other here. Our languages are different. We go to different schools. We read different newspapers. Our youth groups are different. We don't kind of grow up around each other. So you have to kind of deal with this, this um, suspicion, not just because, wow, those are Christians or those are Jews, but because those are Arabs. And those are Jewish Israelis. And so everything is politicized. There's a great deal of suspicion uh, that you need to get through to even begin talking about issues just as Jews and Christians, kind of religious issues. Everything here is so much more than just religion. Yeah, that makes sense. We have a second question here. Someone asking how they can apply for the Galileo Fellowship. Uh, hmm. Can you maybe speak a little bit to whether applications are currently open and what that process looks like? Right. So, uh, yes. Um, first of all, applications uh, for the fall. The deadline is uh, the end of June. Uh, and you can find the application on our website. Just follow the links. Uh, it's a written application. It includes a couple of two uh, very straightforward kind of uh, essay questions. And we'll also ask you to submit a video. So it's something that you don't want to leave for the last minute, uh, but it's also not you know, a terribly onerous uh, application process. And then if it looks like you, it might be a good fit because we really want to make sure that, um, that you, know, you are right for Galilea and Galilea is right for you. Uh, it's, it's not for everyone. So if it looks like it might be a good fit, um, then we uh, move forward with, uh, with an interview. Fantastic. We just have one last question here. It looks like this person says they would like to know 
what is some of the most encouraging progress that you've seen in Jewish Christian relationships as you've been working in that space? Right. Thank you for that question. Um, I'm very excited right now. Um, you know, sometimes we can only see what's right in front of us. I'm very excited right now with the project that I just completed. Um, and this is uh, the culmination of probably two years of work. It's actually not quite culminated. Uh, this, uh, this collected volume on Catholic approaches to the land and state of Israel. Um, this is just one of those things. If you said sort of what are the issues in Jewish Catholic relations, uh, the, the relative silence about um, Catholic approaches to the state of Israel is definitely one of those things that people, people notice. Uh, and so I'm very excited to see we held this, this, this tremendous, um, challenging conference, again, that people said, you can't do this. We held this marvelous conference uh, exactly a year ago in Jerusalem of Catholic uh, theologians and scholars uh, from America, from Europe, from uh, Israel, from Palestine, uh, with very different political opinions, but all Catholics. Uh, speaking about Catholic approaches to the land and state of Israel, and this developed into, into the book that we've just finished the manuscript of. So uh, beginning the conversation that I understand is now, is now growing, and from our conference, the next stage is going to be in Rome, um, but, but allowing uh, one of the topics that has sort of been taboo, something that like we don't speak about in polite company, uh, to start seeing that crack open uh, and, and be something on the table that we can start talking about uh, has been extremely gratifying to me. So I find that very encouraging. That's fantastic. That's really cool. I, I love hearing about your work and the types of subjects that you get to think about that might make me a little bit little bit of a nerd sometimes just how much I enjoy the work that you're doing but it's really interesting um, I love reading your work and hearing about some of the stuff you're working on so thank you for sharing that thank you everyone else as well for for joining us as I said links for more information about the Galilea Fellowship has been placed in the chat or the comment section so feel free to go ahead and look at that more if you'd like more information about the Galilea Fellowship would definitely encourage everyone in the audience, if you're even a little bit curious, to go ahead and take a look at that. It really is a tremendous opportunity to spend more time with Dr. Shapiro, to actually live in Israel for a few months, which that type of immersive experience is really invaluable. So we encourage you to look into that more if you're curious. For those of you who regularly join our speaker series, don't forget that next week we are hosting Dayton Moore. He's a sports executive of the Kansas City Royals. He's speaking to us more about business leadership. And for those joining us for our virtual tour today, we hope that you have enjoyed this thus far on day four. We look forward to bringing more of Israel to you in the next few days. It'll last about nine days. So really hoping that it's been enjoyable for everyone thus far and looking forward to bringing more of Israel to you soon. We thank everyone again for joining us and have a great day, everyone. To learn more about our program, visit PassagesIsrael.org. From Passages, I'm Rachel Powell. Thanks for listening.